of the minefields i'm colin this is my best friend joshua michael i'm in colorado i'm in colorado springs what's going on you are in colorado i'm not i'm totally not there uh it's like 65 degrees i'm burning up shut the fuck up (laughs) um it's actually kind of warm in here i don't know what the deal is last night i felt miserable and it was uh i had to crank my ac no. I'm amazed that I remember that. I was on Benadryl. I had a Benadryl at work yesterday, yeah, yeah. and I had to take a nap at lunch, and then at the, uh, oh man, I took one when I got home. I've been having allergy problems. Yeah, you were fun and, to talk uh, to last night. Did we talk last night? <laughs> yeah, we talked last night. I don't remember anything after I walked to the grocery store last night. I came back with food. It's in my fridge. It's in my pantries. It was all over the counters. Yeah, I don't, what did we talk about? I, I think you've got a Benadryl problem, friend. I think you need to lay off the juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, I'm going to, uh, yeah. Sometimes it's the only thing that makes any difference except going and getting a shot, which I ended up doing today. Um, yeah, anyway, I, so then none of this is, not, this is all neither here nor there, apparently. 24th century medicine, that's what we need. God, can you imagine a, a uh, future where we can get an allergy shot that, you will never experience this problem, period. As long as Bev gives me that nice shot. I'd take it. I'd take a shot from... I want Dr. Salar, though. Uh, uh, I'm a big Dr. Salar fan for her one appearance. I was going through the uh, completely kind of related uh, thing here today. I was going through the credits on MDB for everyone that's ever been a guest star on Gargoyles. It's pretty much all of oh. the next generation and then, yeah. like, everyone awesome ever to do voices. Like, I had no idea that was Keith Richards. No. Oh, yeah. No, not, no. Amazing. Keith Richards. Keith David. I'm fucking retarded. Keith David, yeah. It was it's Spawn. I knew Spawn. You, I knew what you were saying, and I, even though Spawn. you didn't Keith hit it correctly. David. Keith David, yeah. <laughs> fucking <Keith> Mary's stepdad. <laughs> of all the stuff he's done, that was the best thing like I've ever loved him in. Like I love Spawn so much, but him as Mary's dad and something about Mary. Like, <laughs> you know what? To this day, I've never seen that movie in its entirety. Oh, that movie is one of my favorite movies ever. I've never been in a movie theater ever where more people were just beside themselves, just laughing and howling. It was amazing. It was such a good experience. I'm glad you got that. Uh, I didn't experience that kind of laughter until I went to see um, Knocked Up. And then the next night or the next week, I just remember going to see uh, Borat. And that place was out of control. Borat was barely funny. I can't... Fine. I don't think it's everybody's humor. But somehow or another... Dude, I that that place was just absolutely rolling. Borat. It was L.A. It was opening night. 
That's what I recall. Yeah. Shit, I remember, like, having, like, bad insomnia, and I stopped at my mom and dad's house, and my mom gave me an Ambien. She's like, take this, be careful. You have, <laughs> you have 20 minutes to find a bed when you take this pill. And I'm like, okay, cool. Oh so we went and saw Borat. We snuck in a couple things of whiskey. Josh was there. Oh, Josh rules. And, uh, oh, Josh rules. Oh, Josh rules. And we, we watched. Everyone was laughing. There, I found, like, a couple spots that were funny. We're leaving. We're, like, 15 minutes away from fucking Norman from, like, South OKC. I pop it when we're leaving, smoke a cigarette, and I all of a sudden, all the, like, my buddy Sean Connor is shaking the shit out of me. And I'm standing on the sidewalk in front of my apartment. And he's like, wake the fuck up! And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he and I was like, what? And he's like, you have been talking to someone outside of the fucking car for the past ten minutes, and I gotta get you to your fucking bed. What did, what did you take? And I'm like, an ambient. <laughs> he's like, well, whatever you took, it sounds like it's good shit. <laughs> get your ass to bed. <laughs> and, uh, well, anyway, we, we've got, uh... Dude, we, no, we, like, go... I, two things. A... I think that uh, <laughs> I think that the market you were in when you saw Borat would do something for you because I know that entire movie theater was packed with uh, Jewish LA LA Jewish uh, folks and it was a movie that for some reason they could just laugh their asses off at being made fun of and making fun of people who make fun of Jews just that was the audience that worked for that. Um, that sounds like a pretty genius encounter. I never thought of that movie being that way. But I don't want to talk oh. about Borat anymore. I want to talk about 9-11 happening <laughs> tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of uh, bad things happening to, uh, yeah, people. In New York. Um, yeah. What do you want to talk about? Well, it's... Uh, Let's get serious about this for a minute. All right. And then we'll, then we'll progress with this. We'll, we're, I don't think this is what anybody tuned in for, but it is uh, September 10th, 2019 right now. Where were you? I uh, I was living in the house I spent most of my time in college living in. I bounced around from a couple of houses, and then I found a really great place at 4th and Lincoln right off of campus, and I was living with uh, Justin and Alex, and Alex was always down in Norman seeing his girlfriend, and they're married, and they have kids, and they have an awesome life. And uh, Justin got up one morning, and... It, banged on my door and he was like hey man i gotta go to a, a i gotta go to a test but there's something major going down in new york you should get up and check this out uh it's all over the news the world trade center has been hit by a plane and i just thought oh this is a small plane what the hell is the world trade center and then he left and i got up and i went in and i turned it on and i saw the second plane hit and I was petrified in place. And I suddenly started thinking the most, uh, just the craziest stuff. Where's my mom? Where's my mom? Because the Oklahoma City bombing memorial was just down in, you know, in Oklahoma City. And I knew that she was supposed to be there the day that happened. April 19th, 20, or April 19th, 1995. She was supposed to be not at the Alfred P. Murrah building, but across the street at the Journal Records building. Close goddamn enough. Yeah, and I was suddenly very scared for where's my mom. And then they were talking about, uh, they were talking, it, as soon as the second plane hit, the odd, uh, you know, it was automatically, this has got to be on uh, purposeful. And I can't remember if it was Matt Lauer 
or maybe it was Tom Brokaw making it making an emboldened statement this is an act of terrorism because then they were talking about the Pentagon as if it were a car bomb or a helicopter crash or a rocket <laughs> well that's un- let's save that for another we'll time we'll save that one from this I've time. got issues with there's, what kind of footage there's very big footage that, that was on television of a rocket hitting the fucking thing and it would just gone the next day but, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll save that one. Um, what what got to me was being rooted to that TV for the rest of the day, calling my mom incessantly and not hearing from her until about like ten thirty. I didn't go to class. I had work at four. I was working at the public library, and uh, um, everything federal yeah. was closed that day. It was done. Yeah, it was done. That was a, yeah, the, the library was a city job. And I I called down to my my job to see if they were still open. And I got a hold of Pam, who was one of my coworkers. And she said, yeah, the place was pretty quiet, but uh, they were open. And I remember telling her that somebody needed to put the flag at half staff. Yeah. And uh, then... Yeah, that's about all I said. And then I eventually went to work that day, and it was quiet. And I was so disgusted that I even had to leave the TV. But, uh, yeah, eventually everybody, all of the people that we knew were coming over and stopping by for a bit and watching this and then going away. And uh, I wept a little bit every day for a solid year. It was pretty bad. And then It was pretty it was bad. just horrifying. I uh I had been up all night drinking and smoking with my roommates uh on the tenth, and I wo- and I woke up like fucking thirty minutes late for class, and I had a uh, Roman history class, and we were taking it with this really cool history teacher. I remember our first class, he was like, "Hey, listen, I'm really rude and crude. I drive a motorcycle. He's got like the the tweed jacket with the leather fucking elbow pads, and he's got the yeah. ponytail, and he's like, listen." Uh, I'm really rude and crude, and I piss people off, but before you leave, if you decide you want to leave, which is fine, you'll get a full fucking refund. Think think that this is the first time you've ever had a history teacher that you didn't also refer to as coach. And Oh, man. And, what a great thing to say. Well, great thing to say. Anyway, so I show up late on 9-11. I stop and I get a Berkeley, like... I was going to UNM. My, fresh, my freshman year was... My first half of freshman year was at UNM. Oh, first year, and um, I stopped and I got a breakfast because it's hungry as shit. I show up and class is like everyone's there. There's no teacher. I sit down and I'm munching on this burrito, and then like one minute after, uh, our professor comes in, and he's like, "Okay, okay, everyone, shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't want to talk about any planes crashing or, or or any stupid shit." I'm like, "What the fuck is this asshole talking about?" And we're going over Roman history, and then he mentioned something about um, the Romans blowing something up or destroying something. And he's like, well, anyone that could blow up the Pentagon has my vote. Ha, ha, ha. And then everyone started moaning and groaning. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? What the fuck is this guy talking about? Anyway, so I go back to my dorm. I fall asleep because I'm still tired. My next class was maybe at like 3. And I wake up. Uh, because my phone was just I had one of those cricket phones that only worked in Albuquerque Mm -hmm. and I wake up and I've got like 30 missed calls and my girlfriend was calling me um, 
my mom and dad had called me a bunch of times. My uncle, my aunts, um, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And I, Danielle called me, and I'm like, she's like, turn the fucking TV on. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, find a TV. I know you don't have cable in your in your dorm. Find a fucking TV right now. And um, I turn it on, and it had already happened. And um, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I could not believe, like, like is this a joke? Is this like, I, I, I... anyway, I I called my uncle back. He's like, get your ass here now. I don't want you at the. I don't want you at your school right now. Get throw everything you can in a fucking backpack and get your ass to my house now. And I'm like, oh shit. So I did, and then we we. We went to his house and just watched that shit just replay over and over. And all of yeah. us were just, we, we, like, watching the people jump out of the fucking building off the, fu- oh, dude, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Anyway, um, I'm hoping that there can be some semblance of honor in what we do as Americans going forward, even though there's some things that a lot of us aren't proud of, whether you're left or right. And I think this is a perfect, perfect episode of Star Trek to get into when it comes to about honor and questioning what's going on uh, as a democracy or as a federation. And it's just kismet like usual, brother. Yeah, you know, that's a good choice. That's a uh, very uh, forced segue. But... uh... (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I but, no actually yeah. what I was no 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 I I wasn't forcing anything but what I was actually going to force was that you get out of the way that this is the episode that they acknowledge that Gene Roddenberry died. It's, that's a good point. It's, yeah. it's like um, get it out of your system before we start <laughs> getting into the that, nuts and bolts. That wasn't something that was like ultra high on my mind. I was you know we started talking about September 11th and I remember that Enterprise was uh, released not very much longer after that and it was this concern like is PB going to go back to normal and stuff like that did they uh, did they have to censor anything out of anything no but you think about like Donnie Darko didn't get released uh, uh, widespread theatrically because of the airplane connection uh, and, also uh, because it sucked like I don't know dude I love that movie that movie was uh, fucking garbage the uh the Star Trek thing was fascinating because when it came down to Enterprise, the main villains introduced in the first episode were the Sulaban, and they were supposed to be an analogum of the Taliban. And that was just weird. It wasn't like they rewrote them or rewrote their names or anything like that. That was just something that they were already planning on doing. And we know, of course, the Taliban didn't have anything to do with September 11th. It was the mere fact of how there were training camps in Afghanistan that, you know, we essentially said, if you don't give us these people, we're going to come in and we're going to get them. Uh, And the Taliban regime was not having any of that. So we toppled the regime and we're, they're still there. They're still the leading power in that country that is not, United States occupation forces or power vacuum uh, baby. Yeah, and now we just like Donald Trump damn near 20 years after September 11th is having to make deals with the Taliban and uh it sounds like they're just like yeah, we were on the road to some kind of an uh, an accommodation and now fuck that. No, it ain't uh, happening right now. It's just insane. Yeah, the Romulans, dude. 
Gene Roddenberry, lots of stuff in this episode. It's a two-parter. It came out, uh, this is Unification Part 1, which, uh, you know, if you have watched it, obviously you know why it's important. And if you haven't, really, it's it's Spock. This is, this is the, the episode that really ties the original series to the next generation. And um, not only does Spock make an appearance in it and has a much, much more prominent role in Unification Part 2, uh, which we are not doing back-to-back in this. We'll do Part 2 here pretty quick. Um, Mark Lennard reprises his role for the final time as Sarek, Spock's father. and uh, He died right after this, right? Or soon after? Uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't say, but he didn't. He didn't get an opportunity to come back, and I think he would have. I think he loved the role, and he also. Sarek played the first Romulan we ever saw in Star Trek. Who played, played? Who played Sarek in the 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 reboot? Oh, Ben Cross, man, Ben freaking Cross. Before we started talking tonight, I was talking about Gene Simmons. No, not the Gene Simmons of Kiss. Who is a, I'm a huge fan of Kiss and Gene Simmons, uh, let alone Paul Stanley and everybody else. But um, uh, Gene Simmons, the actress who was in, uh, she played Admiral Satie in the Drumhead that we reviewed. She is the grand old dame in the 1990. Uh, primetime reboot of the soap opera Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows, baby. Which I adore, and I loved it when I was a kid, and I'm re-watching it now. I've had these DVDs since 2008 or 2009, and never sat down and started watching them until... And I'm watching this before I go to bed, virtually nightly, and it's not freaking me out. But I got past the episode uh, the night before last. It scared the bejesus out of me uh, when it aired the first time. Anyway, Gene Simmons is in that. Uh, and Mark Leonard, yeah, so Ben Cross, Ben Cross, who was in Chariots of Fire and any number of awesome things in the 80s and 90s, he plays Barnabas Collins in that, but he played, he played, uh, Sarek in the, uh, uh, J.J. verse Star Trek from 2009. Did you know that, um, did you know that J.J. actually wrote, one of his first things was regarding Henry? No. Is that the one with uh is that Harrison, that's, Ford. Uh, Harrison Ford? He Oh, I freaking love that. He, movie. he Oh, I love that movie. He wrote that movie. He actually is the pizza delivery guy in that movie. I don't remember, but uh, I wouldn't when oh, when when yeah, so young. When Ford was uh trying to cook that big ass cookie with his daughter <laughs> and they yeah. they ordered pizza, um JJ was JJ was the pizza delivery guy. That he wrote that movie. Like I, I just I, That's I so cool. like if if y'all that are jerking off over everything that JJ does uh, that goes to every pop Albert. culture con, um, look that shit up and know that he's a little bit more in depth than fucking Star Trek and all the shit. Well, of course there was Alias. Oh and, uh, yeah, but even then, dude. But th- this was this was this was a drama. This there was no superheroes. There was no nothing. It was just a guy that got shot in the head and realized he was a piece of shit and then fixes shit. Yeah, that's an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, I always loved his physical therapist in that movie. Oh, that guy! Uh, that guy was awesome. Makes me think of uh, Frank Robinson. Yeah, he, or or or. All the uh, stereotypical black guy, chief guy that's pissed off and screaming all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, let's... I just like that scene when they're having some Heineken. Yeah. In the or whatever it was in the in the in the kitchen. And he's feeling he's feeling low and everything. That's such a good movie. I accidentally. Annette, it was Annette Benning was his wife, uh, and, right? Yeah, Annette Benning, the American Annette Beauty, Benning. American Beauty. Yeah, another cheating ass wife. The American President. She's the. You're the president's girlfriend. With uh, Michael Douglas. No, I didn't bother to see that movie, brother. I was in college. My dad loved movies about commoners becoming royalty or something, and uh, mainly because he was fully English, and. Um, he also liked movies about uh, uh, about people in positions of power who are real people, and so he loved that movie. And we all loved Dave. Did he like Kevin Kline's Did he like Independence Day? Because that was my favorite president ever. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I don't know what he thought of that movie. I really don't know. I don't know that he ever he's got to have watched it because I probably forced him to I was so obsessed with that movie when it came out me too brother I still have my VHS copy with a lenticular little sleeve cover that I remember the, that, the, that card that came over it yeah let's get into it let's get into it yeah, what, let's get into the what, show. what are we watching what are we watching uh, episode so this is Unification Part 1 okay season 5 um, episode 7 that's right, yeah. We're, I'm trying to get it to come up on my computer, but it won't work. We're, it's not happening. We're watching it on the Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. We are watching it on Netflix. I'm going to be watching it with uh, closed captions to catch what I catch, but uh, that's mainly because I know you're not terribly concerned about it, but like, I don't, I don't want us to get any broadcast. I'm, I'm pretty concerned, which is why I'm ordering you that box. You get paid tomorrow. All <laughs> right. Yeah, some kind of thing where we're not actually, you guys are just listening to us, as we do. If you're watching this to watch the episode for the first time, well, good on you. But, uh, you know, watch it and then, hey, we're recorded. You can get back to us anytime you want to. Yeah, well. Because this will be online in perpetuity. Just give me a second because it's, so, it's uh, just buffering at 99%. Like you bastard. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. I can I can talk some more about some stuff while we're doing that. I'm Maybe, ready. You're ready. Forget me talking about crap. <clears throat> okay, we are going to begin on engage in in three, two, one. Engage. Yeah, title card: Gene Roddenberry, nineteen twenty-one. What did he? What did he die of? I don't remember. He was, you know, not. A spry guy at that point. He probably had, I believe, some kind of a heart issue or maybe a lingering cancer. I'm not entirely sure. I'll check it out. It's a sad thing. I don't want to think about it very often, you know? Like, you just kind of imagine that he's he was fine. Okay, those bars are different. Yep. Yeah, her rank. Okay, so we've got this Admiral. I believe this is Admiral Brand. And, um, gosh, I mean, nobody ever has a consistently similar admiral uniform. No. It's always... It's just... It's always got that... Break, you know? It's always got that bedazzled, like, 90s bullshit that's just, like, fucking acrylic paint. Well, check out her sleeves. When you're a flag rank like she is, you've got your rank up on your collar, but you've also got it down on your wrists. Yeah. Or on your cuffs, anyways. That's the way I always had to put it when I was, uh writing for it uh, 
the the auction. Enhance. I think this is a funky thing to do here to have this happening on a little display screen. Why don't you just show them the photo right away? Card hunching over the admiral to see this instead of this being on some kind of like. Why don't they have the op- observation lounge yeah. or something like that, and they can depict this on on the main screen? Or, or, or why do the whole dramatic thing? Here's a blurry photo, and then we're going to zoom in so we can get some extra dramatic. Like uh, Spock, Spock's been fucking up. We got to figure this out. Wait, what? <laughs> that would have been a little bit more real to me. But goddamn, did they really enhance this? <laughs> yeah, they really. One of my favorite photos I ever saw on Reddit was what the Earth would look like if it had the rings of Saturn around it, and it was just so jealous. It was beautiful. Yeah, there's a really cool series of things uh, out there right now showing what what the sky would look like if we were on this planet or that planet or whatever, and uh, where we if we were in different parts of the galaxy. We actually live on a particularly beautiful world but one that also has kind of a mundane sky. It is just blue. We don't see any, like, over overpowering magnitude stars, you know, that like, in the middle of the day. There's not some kind of, like, cloud that we, could, we can't even reach by way of any spacefaring means that we would see all of the time or at night. It's astonishing to be this far out to sea, as it were. I'm still trying to find something that tells me what's going on with the uh, good Gene Roddenberry there. I'm not entirely sure that I was thinking, you know, hey, we need to we need to research that beforehand. So after this, mainly you just start to see that Rick Berman is the uh, is the guy, the showrunner henceforth. Is this the first? No, this is not the first time we saw his uh, away. No. That was Darmok. The captain's the, the captain's o- away suede jacket. Yeah. Oh, look at that. That little hallway out there is a terrible thing. As far as I'm concerned, as a person from uh, who deals with set design and stuff like that, that hallway... I feel like that hallway would sense Riker. I don't know how the doors work, but like I would, th- I feel like the hallway would sense Riker coming and open way before, so he didn't just stand out there and walk in when the doors opened. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said, allergies. Still dealing with it. So he was just talking about having had a uh, mind meld with Sarek in the episode Sarek. And uh, I've always liked this whole thing. They, the idea of a mind meld has you completely within the other person's and but memories. He, but he withheld it for how many hours? Oh well, there. That's right. This uh, that was a totally different thing. Captain Picard contained the madness that Sarek was experiencing for. Long enough for him to get in and do some serious negotiating with his uh, ambassadorial duties. Hmm. 
But I also like that uh, they were able to cut to the chase with Riker so quickly. You know, he says, like, you know, fathers and sons, and he's just, like, under understood. Because we know from that one episode that his relationship with his father is strained. Agreed? Has she been playing Sarek's wife for only, no, only, no, only this? Multiple, multiple different actresses. This would be at least a second human wife for Sarek, because Amanda Grayson was uh, Spock's mom. And, or is Spock's mom, and this is Perrin, who never gets a better name than that. Now the look at this chunky Vulcan jewelry. She is oh, look at look at the the stuff she's got on her chest. All of that was worn by the um, the uh, lady Vulcans on uh, Mount Silea at the end of Star Trek Three when they're going to put Spock's Katra back within his body. Uh, additionally, that thing on her forehead with the chain that's going back over her head, that is actually the, the jewelry that the, those girls wear on their wrists. So this is one of those interesting repurposed uh, props and costume components that this, this stuff has ties to Star Trek Three, is what I'm getting at. What's with the matte painting of the Enterprise in the background, current day matte? I've never seen that before. He always, um, he always has know, the models. I've never seen them be in a room where there's a painting of the actual ship they're in. Well, this is the this is the ready room. It's been there. I don't think he changed out the artwork. Uh, and consequently, it just strikes me a little odd that that was the decision. Like, let's have a depiction of the of the ship itself that you happen to be on. I mean, I get that, but. They change what his office decor is is every so often. In fact, there's this thing going around online lately where uh, there the crystal, one of the crystal shards from the dark crystal, there was a duplicate of it made that they put on his desk. And I've seen this thing. This is a thing that you could buy a uh, not a duplicate but a reproduction. Uh, in the last couple of years, I think Roddenberry.com. Right. right, but we, we got to acknowledge right here, why would she pick Picard to be the one to get to Sarek? Because he's dying. She knows that Spock is out there. Well, she knows Spock. She knows that Spock isn't up to no good. Why would she ask Picard? Not just because of the mind melt. I think it's just something that's well within his power, but I do think that it is the mind melt in particular. I'm going to say... A mind meld with her husband is something that she's never experienced. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I, I think that it's, uh... He wouldn't subject her to that. The intimacy level. Huh? He wouldn't subject her to that. It was too intense. Maybe so. <clears throat> Only someone with the resilience of Picard that could have survived it. Oh, Jesus, man. I wish we had got any kind of an establishing shot of the exterior of his home or what the city looked like or some part of Vulcan before leading into this scene. I would have gladly traded that for any of the little MacGuffins or points of note in the conversation between Geordi and Riker just there. But we don't see anything like that until Enterprise when we start seeing... uh, 
uh, Vulcan cities, and they're freaking awesome looking. Do, do they not believe in sheets when someone is sick and freezing? That's the crazy thing, is that Vulcan is a very, very hot place, so I don't even know why they're wearing all these robes and things. Well, then that would mean they'd be cold. Constantly. What, you want to see another glimmery, uh... <laughs> another glimmery bed sheet like, uh, what Worf had on in the, uh, episode we watched the other day? Absolutely. <laughs> I do like that he's got that silver piping. Uh, in the uh, in his costume. What ethnicity is him? Is he like Cuban, Puerto Rican? I don't know. That's another interesting thing to look up. Mark Lenard. He's got beautiful olive skin. Oh, he really does. He is another gentleman. You say the word Spock. Gone from us. Mm, says he's an American. Died in 1996. So it was only a handful of years. Between now, between the the uh, this this episode and uh, when he died, so uh, one of the things that I really dig about this exchange they're having is that look at Sarek is going to start talking about Spock. In a way where we're going to hear we're going to hear him tell stories that lead us back to one of the earliest episodes of the Star Trek animated series, which then kind of makes it canon. But everybody already considered that series to be canon because it was just so well produced. I don't know. Have you ever seen any of those episodes? No. They're really great. The artwork is a little uh, dodgy in some places. It's and then fine. You can tell that we didn't have to cut corners. We just we knew we couldn't do this. And it comes across as stylish instead, like intentionally style, stylized. I dig that about it. I like how humble he presents himself before Sarah. Yeah, no, completely. Just Spock, we gotta find him. We gotta figure this shit out. Wake the fuck up! Come on, Hard get through your dementia and your in your mania just for a minute to help me figure this out. There's something bigger than yeah. us here, and we have to trust Spock. You, like I don't know if you, this is how you felt, but when I first started watching this episode, you have to trust Spock. <clears throat> oh yeah, I don't think for a minute that Captain Picard is under this idea that other people have that Spock is a traitor or he's a defector or something like that. He's got his own intentions and he's a living legend and he's come back from the flipping grave. So there's no reason for him to think that there, that he really owes anybody anything except he's just trying to get out there and create the concept of unification. Uh, I had another point I was thinking of in this business. Like I said earlier, when the when the producers were developing this series, they did not want to constantly refer back to the original series. Which was a good idea. They wanted the show to stand on its own two feet. Yeah, you pepper it with some good shit, and this is some good shit right here. You just say that Spock is, 
defected, and we got to figure this shit out because he's absolutely not defected. He needs our help, and obviously he's going to refuse it, knowing how fucking stubborn that asshole can be sometimes. And we got to figure out how to help him within a way that he'll actually let us help him. Look here. This is the. These are the lines I was talking about where uh, they refer back to the original or to the animated series. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. In in and of itself, they're not saying. Do you remember the episode uh, uh, yesteryear of the original or the animated series? They're just mentioning a concept, a plot point from that episode, which then brings it into uh it, it's being served up on a dish it's like hey no we're gonna pay this is this is relevant we're gonna pay attention to it and then the mere fact of bringing Sarek and spock into this episode it's finally just saying yeah we're all part of that same universe if you didn't know that it's already apparent we had mccoy in the first episode we had uh uh and then we mentioned uh captain kirk and company in the uh uh, in the in a Psy two thousand virus, can't think of the name of that episode, but it comes up very quickly in the first season. The one where everybody was drunk. Oh yeah, it was like polywater intoxication. That's what it. Helping. Look, oh god, yeah. The last time I watched this, I don't watch this episode repeatedly. But the last time I watched this, that that part really kind of tore me up. I think that was the moment that they were trying very hard not to yeah to do and then they decided to just go for it. No, no, they they, like they did the they did it perfect. They did it perfect. They, they they like who else better to perpetuate that last line than Picard and then watch him cower due to his illness because it hurts that bad. That's a, that's that's the end of Sarek. It's easy. Sarek yeah, he's done. in the series in Star Trek chronology until we see him again as a younger man in a 2009 Star Trek movie with Ben Cross and then I don't remember the name of the gentleman who's playing him now on Discovery he's alright he doesn't carry the austerity of Mark Lennard or Ben Cross though Boy, it's so weird to look at Worf I've been watching so much Deep Space Nine So they're talking about this Klingon Civil War yeah. that we caught in Redemption Parts 1 and 2. And we reviewed that. Those are some episodes I really, really like. We had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, those are just good. Um, I need a I, ship. These, these, I need a... What? No, I need a ship. We've got some shit to do. We've got to violate a lot of shit that's about to happen here. Yeah, we can't go sneaking into the Romulan Star Empire in the Enterprise D... They already know where we are. That's the crazy thing you have to read into when you're thinking about the Federation and the Romulans, let alone the Federation and the Klingons or anybody else, any of the other uh, neighboring species and their, their governments and organizations. 
They're keeping tabs on every on each other. They're keeping tabs. You know, well, if they don't know something through their own means, then they're going to find it out through their spies in Cardassian Empire or something like that. You gotta, you've got to look at this series. You've got to look at the Federation and their, their relationship with the Romulans as they're the, chi, they're the Chai Coms, the Chinese communists. That's the way that they were developed, you know? Uh, the Klingons were supposed to be Cossacks, and then they kind of went into this whole business of like, yeah, let's give them a Native American and uh, Bushido traditions. And um, then the Romulans, they'll have their own things going on, but mainly... You know, they're, are they Soviets? Not exactly. They're they're the Chinese communists, and it's it's like there are spies everywhere. So this is the flagship of the Federation. The Enterprise isn't an aircraft carrier, but it might as well be. Do you think there is a place on this planet that we could hide anything that the Chinese can't find? It. They have spy satellites. They not have now. Spies. They have. Uh, There's probably one of them listening to us right now. Oh, I guarantee it. I mean, the, the, the cyber attacks, it's just incredible what they can do and get away with. And uh, Maybe we can influence these minefields guys to do uh, these uh, specific uh, Star Trek episodes we like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get like a... Well, I mean, they influenced the United States well enough that uh, Red Dawn remake... All right, that guy... I know who that guy is. Fuck, who... Oh, he's a basic... Uh, he's a totally basically... No, 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 the actor. Oh, really? Yes, that that guy is in a million different things. I'm trying to remember. I think going by his... Uh, I, I'm not reading every single line as we're going, but... Uh, if I recall, his game card has him as being Bajuk or something like that. That guy is like an asshole and everything. Or a homeless guy. He is a... He's a he is a character actor, is what you're saying. Yes. I mean, that's how I got into the film industry, was... As a child, watching stuff and seeing character actors appear in this movie and that movie and realizing that that was a thing, and it generated a fascination for filmmaking in me that young. He's, that was only scratching the surface, because all I was seeing was actors. That's, that's Aziz Light from, from uh, Fifth Element. From the very beginning. Aziz Light! What? That guy was a little kid. No. <laughs> oh, you're talking about character actors? <laughs> no, not okay, Luke. Okay, thank you. And he was also in Stargate. One of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, I need to go back and watch Stargate. I've got it, like, on every format. VHS, DVD, Blu-ray... And bootleg uh, download on my on my oh. PS3. Look at look at what she's got there. Her uh, slightly blue acrylic pad. When we were watching um, the episode the other day, we were the uh, Toby Russell, the other doctor. You're talking about the stylus. 
Well, I was talking about the stylist, but like, look, no, she's got that little blue pad. She was like, you were you were commenting that you felt like uh, she would have cooler, newer looking technology because she was a young upstart compared to Doctor Crusher. Yep. I think that's a. Uh, I think that prop got recycled here. God, Riker's got some hulking shoulders. He's just a big, broad, like, manly man. And that uniform accentuates it big time. That's why I need to go to the gym. I need to accentuate these shoulders. I got some good old shoulders. There's Tracy Lee Coco. No, there is. She is a uh, recurring background performer. She even makes it onto the Enterprise E. She has a name. Her her name is Jay, J-A-E. And uh, I can't recall what episode it is, but there's this wacky scene in one of the episodes where Captain Picard was on the front row at a performance and he's got an arm around her and it's like what the hell is that? Is Captain Picard yeah. dating a, 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 uh, an, uh, a, an officer who's not his uh, remotely his rank? I can just imagine that script. I'm pretty sure that was just a Patrick Stewart movie. Let me be hanging out with a young lass. <laughs> with buxom bosoms. And that is Stephen Root. That is Stephen Root. That is uh, Bill De La Tro- Yeah, that's Stephen Root. This is one of his first major roles. Really? Yes. Uh, the, the dude from Office Space, the, they take a stapler and shit. That's him. No. Yes, yes. I, sw- I swear to, I swear to fucking God. That's Steven Root. He pe- he played Bill in uh, King of the Hill. I am flabbergasted. I, I have got to... This is one of his first roles. Wow. William wow. Delator Dotrieve. D- William Delator Fontaine Del... Retrieve. Beautiful. Fucking beautiful. Holy freaking moly. I don't know how it is in all of these years I don't I didn't know that. Oh that's a recycled shot that got used in uh uh, Blood Oath in Deep Space Nine. He started on oh. Broadway. He started as as a as a character as on on theater. He never thought he would do anything. And he just kept climbing up the ranks he just kept making the right friends and keep he kept making the right performances I want to get my game card of Kabata signed more than anything in the world now <laughs> dude we can do it crap we can oh, do sure it we totally can I want my uh, Bill Dotrieve action figure card or my actual action figure of his <laughs> that's him he does it on he does it on cue, man. He's so happy to perform for for fans. He's up for a uh, a Emmy in a, or unless it just happened. I don't know. I remember listening. He was getting he was on one of the podcasts I listened to. He was getting interviewed by uh, Mark Marin a couple weeks ago, and he was up yeah. for an Emmy. I, I think the Emmys just happened because I don't pay attention to that shit. I just. I don't either. I just don't care about award season, awards. I'm happy to get a paycheck. Give me, me too. an award? <laughs> I guess if it means more paychecks. 
I've worked on movies where people were uh, in different departments were obsessing over award season and like the award quality of this that or the other and it's really a lot of busybody stuff yeah he he was up for an Emmy in his role in that show Barry that guy's a big guy too I like that Counselor Troy's the one that figured this whole business out here. Awesome. Look at that. Look at that relatively 23rd century. Flat screen? Elkar's style back there. This guy's got a totally different technology. And uh, uh, so this, that, those um, trans lights aren't functioning on the same Elkar's operating system that the Enterprise is. And that's top of the line. So his stuff is like 23rd century, and if you watch Star Trek VI, you see it there as a holdover, and even more so in Star Trek Generations at the beginning on the Enterprise B. Now this dude on the right, the guy who's uh, at, the, at the helm, I don't know if you'll see him again doing this, but he knows when he's got the camera on him, because he turns and looks and gets a little side profile and stuff. He's in a ton of episodes. Look at, look at the, uh, I don't know what to call it. The little fabric that was on uh, Clem's... Turtleneck? You'll see him again, and you'll see him. He's got those two discs on his chest, and they're like half one fabric and half the other, and it was all those little tiny squares. If you notice, and it's t- tough to see, that'll show up in some Romulan uniforms, and it shows up as part of one of uh, Worf's baldrics uh, on, his, on his sash. There's a Klingon ship in the uh, junkyard there. So yeah, look at the bottom of these three discs. It's all those little squares. We had, like, a partial roll of that stuff. There wasn't that much left of it. I don't know what to do with this guy's makeup, either. He's like an extra on Coach. <laughs> I just feel like of all the makeup that we've ever seen for aliens on this sh- series, this is particularly uninspiring. Yeah, both of his cheeks are just saggy balls. Yeah, just what's the point of this? If, I mean, he just doesn't look... He could have just been an old guy. He could have just been a, a, a human. You know, what? Make him an Andorian for crying out loud. It's just... ugh. And here's another diss I have. They're looking for the Tapau. Okay. Well, the Tapau is a legendary Vulcan character. She's an enormous deal in one of the most well-known original series episodes, so it's another little throwback to the original series. I just don't see why the Vulcans would name such a relatively non-inspiring ship after one of their most important leaders, you know, most important... uh, She's a celebrity in a culture that probably doesn't celebrate people very much. And, of course, they did a lot more with her in Enterprise. 
But uh, so we can't factor what we know of her from that in there. But she's a huge enough character. But Tapau is missing, you know? I just... It's such a rinky-dink ship when we finally see it. It's like a oh, this, this personal whole, transport. This whole scene that's coming up for the, the deception, this is great. <clears throat> I feel like this was a three-parter that I, I felt like my mind like enjoyed every moment. It felt like it was like six hours and it was like we're already so far in. I don't know, I feel like... The two-parters in Next Generation typically have a problem in that they... The, the second part ultimately is a, more or less a letdown. I really feel that way about The Descent Parts 1 and 2. I don't feel that way about Redemption Parts 1 and 2. <clears throat> Do you have any... Usually the action is kind of curtailed. But the mere fact of the matter here is that Spock gets to be a big deal in the second part, and that that's the entertaining factor. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of action or a lot of other stuff. <coughs> God, this HD remastering is just beautiful. Look at the level of painting and detail in Worf's forehead. You ain't kidding. It's just this is just this, this show got remastered and it is crispy and gorgeous. I cannot wait to get the Blu-ray of Deep Space Nine. Dude, we need we need the Blu-rays of all of this shit. Every single one of everything. Now I know what I'm gonna ask for for Christmas. <laughs> the entire series of the X Files on Blu-ray. <laughs> That's a show that also needs a massive remastering treatment if it hasn't been done. That is, there's it's, so it's, much it's, darkness it's, in that It's show. been done on the Blu-rays, but it's like you can only you can get the individual ones, but they're expensive. You just got to get the big some bitch. But like the big some bitch doesn't come with all the extra stuff that the big some bitch that the DVDs had. <coughs> I love this scene. This part also this is, gets I love this scene. <laughs> Please don't look at me. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind I of can weird. Feel like, you looking at me. I'm just gonna stare into nothing and contemplate. It's a crazy thing. I can't imagine that Captain Picard in fifteen years has had anyone else in his room while he was trying to sleep, except for an occasional interesting little romantic interlude. But if anyone was going to sit there, I'd want it to be data. Look at it. As a century? As a century, like yeah. Yeah. There would be nothing that would get into that room microscopic that Data would not have seen. He, Yeah, it's like R2-D2 looking after Padme in at the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Couldn't you have picked a better or, fucking Star Trek movie, Star Wars movie? <laughs> I, there's something to like about every Star Wars movie, but uh, I can't believe I just said that. And uh, or or like I really liked it in the Terminator uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. They had that one Terminator that just, like, stood there for 50, 60, 70 years or something. You know, he'd gone back in time, made some kind of, like, he, like there was a time discrepancy, and he popped into the wrong time period, and he was like, okay, I need to make a bunch of money now, 
so that I can stand by for this stuff to be invented so that I can then buy it so that I can secure it to make sure that it actually happens, you know, in 2019 or 2020 or whatever year it happened to be. This is He just stood there. <laughs> dude, it's, dude, he rolled out of bed the way I did, like, back in, like, fucking finals in college. Well, I ain't going to sleep. Might as well just keep... Yeah. I, I always wonder about this. Can they read Klingon? I'm sure Data can. And I think if Captain Picard can... Speak Klingon, as we've seen him do in some episodes, I guarantee he can read it. But I wonder, you know, you got the Universal Translator, or do you have the uh, Google Translate contact lenses? Look at that bridge set. It's a totally different style. It's so completely different. Ah, oh, Sarek is dead. This I also have a, a beef with. You've got the entire Enterprise going totally quiet, silent running, and all the lights are turned off virtually everywhere on the ship. I guess you could get everybody and all the civilians to be like, yeah, if you're going to want to do anything in the light, you're going to have to go out into the corridors and stay out of your uh, homes and offices for a while, you know? I like how the story is so good that they mentioned Spock in the first five minutes and we've completely forgot he's in it. <laughs> that's true, I totally... totally that, that's, that. that's good writing. Hmm. In can fucking troll. Yeah, look on uh, look in Worf's Baldrick's when we get another like medium shot of him, and you'll see that same fabric reappear. It was all over the place. They used the crap out of it, especially in seasons one and two. Are these guys? Is this ship supposed to be raiders? Yeah, they're raiders. They're about to piece the fuck out. I could never. I'm, it just. I feel like after all the times I've seen this episode, they're there to to hodgepodge a few things. You'll see it in. What's going on here is as if some. This is like the pirates along the Somali coast. Yeah. Do you think that we're not going to send a destroyer? To come wreck your lives entirely. You have been... What you have been doing... Stealing stuff... Maybe... And now you're attacking... An aircraft carrier. Do you think that we aren't going to pursue this... To the nth degree? Or just break your legs and... Not worry about you for a while. I don't know, it's just not the way that the... I mean, this the UFP, the United Federation of Planets, is supposed to be amalgamized to the United States, and that's just not how we operate. Not anymore. Oh, man, there's that mirror again. I have held that mirror in my hands. I can't believe... That they went on this mission 
Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Every other episode you see where somebody gets facial reconstructive surgery. Or it's it's like surgical like that, or something. It's yeah. already been done. Yeah. I can't believe that they're like, hey, yeah, we're just going to go take care of this special effects makeup by ourselves on the Klingon ship. I feel like they should have been... I feel like they should have been in their Romulan makeup since they left the Enterprise. But it's I guess it was supposed to be more of a... Uh, a, a surprise. I guess that's kind of my thing here, you know? There's stuff that just bends credulity in a, uh, in a particular way in this, in this episode. It feels like they were, there, there are some good moments, but the real, the real, charming pieces of this are in unification part two i think i've got beef with this episode in particular i know you're pretty you're like maybe but yeah i mean this is this is when we you know we talked about the ranking system you know we, we were like okay you know you've got is this an ensign episode is this a junior lieutenant a lieutenant episode etc I'm not going I don't qualify this as being one of the top episodes of the series. That's this is sure. certainly one of my favorites. This, this two part is one of my absolute favorites. Fascinating. Hmm. Dude, the, like the suspense they're building, like they spend an entire episode building nothing but suspense, but not building too much that it makes you too uncomfortable. And 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 do it so well that like three quarters of the way you forgot that Spock's even supposed to show up. <laughs> Dude, he's, it's Steven Root. He's perfect. I can't believe that. I don't know why I didn't know that. I'm glad you you knew something that I, I didn't. This is this is great. And I just... He... God, he just disappeared into that makeup and into this role. It's amazing, too, because... If this is one of his first big gigs... It really is. He is playing a Klingon in some of the best... Klingon fashion I've ever seen. This is that is nice and nitty gritty, ain't it? Ain't it? Yeah, that nice is a Klingon. Almost as worthy. Oh, that's a oh, look at that oh, mat. Look at that mat. Just gorgeous. He's playing that Klingon almost as well as uh, Ooh, this piece of shit. Um, Christopher uh, Lloyd played yep. in Star Trek Three Commander Crew, and then we got one of my fa- favorite Klingons. We got this piece of shit. <clears throat> Yeah, it's fascinating that this guy is who he is, and they decided to bring this character back in Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Interesting also, I guess, to see the aged Romulan makeup. They'd certainly give the old guy ear thing, where it's lumpier. Mm Mm-hmm. They did that with Sarah. Sarah. Yep, they did it with Sarah too. The color, the color palette for his ears changed uh, a little bit as well. Mm. So we had an entire bay of Romulan civilian costumes, mainly from this episode, and I think also from uh, Birthright Part Two. That is a very dodgy Star Star Warsy city right there. 
We just don't get to see enough of it's very cantina esque, isn't it? Life. Yeah, it's very used. This looks way more like Cardassia to me than but I mean what do you got? We 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 never see more of Romulus than this or the Romulan Senate at the beginning of uh Star Trek Nemesis. It's probably why they're not wearing their hoods is to enact the Star Wars <laughs> I'm sure those hoods are functional, but they are they, really they, crunchy. They are, but even then, if they'd have been showed the up like... Er- oh, let's get some of this soup. Yeah, let's go make some soup. At least it's not Vulcan Plomeek broth, because that's apparently the only things Vulcans ever eat. It's like, in, that's my, one of my main bitches in Star Trek, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here being negative Nancy's, really. I've got... Little things to pick on occasionally. I don't like every single episode I've ever watched. Uh, it's it's funny because like when you talk about Vulcans and what they eat, the only thing they ever eat is Vulcan plomeek soup. Or when it's the Bajorans, it's Hasperat. Somebody invented something one time, and for continuity, they just kept mentioning it over and over and over again. I like this lady. She makes it feel real. Her character makes Oh, she can real. smell them. Yeah. Data, he should have just let Data go off on that crap. Look at the pattern in her costume. Beautiful. I love that. I love it. You know, she definitely got a cut up couch. Yep. <laughs> from the from the late uh, 70s, early 80s. She definitely has a shag carpet still, and her grandkids still fall asleep in it. And we don't. No, I just I really like that compared to what everyone else is wearing. Hers made her look like an older lady. What are you assholes looking at? <laughs> We've been made. <laughs> yeah, real easy. <laughs> very. Le- I very can't imagine easily. living in this style, in this life. You think about all of those. All of those uh, Baltic states under Soviet occupation, Soviet rule, and think about Berlin, just constantly living in fear. Those guys aren't even Tal Shiar. Those dudes are, uh, you know about the Tal Shiar, of course, don't you? I do. Okay, yeah. Because uh, at this point, I, you've, you've watched so many episodes, it's hard for me to know what you've, uh, what's stuck. I'm surprised but, they would um, even eat it, like... Like, that could kill them, <laughs> like, if they were eating some... Comp- oh, I know. That's one of the other, like, hey, we're just going to uncheck this aspect of realism. Or, or, you know? or, or in some way, like, like it could fuck with their metabolism so bad that like, they could have just eaten a big bowl of magic mushrooms. Well, that's true, but at the same time, I mean, it is alien, but they're still in an oxygen-nitrogen-rich atmosphere. There's still a humidity level that they can cope with. But, oh wow, these guys are uh, agents of the uh, unification movement. Oh, dude, I got a weird story real quick, and I'll get back to that other point. So when I was doing the auction way, way back, I was totally overwhelmed, and I decided to go in. uh, Oh, sorry, here's Spock, everybody. He's beautiful. He does look good there. And you can't tell what his agenda is from this moment. That. 
in and of itself is the badassness of that of of, of his appearing here. I, I, uh, I we were uh, I was totally overwhelmed with work and um so I was dating this costumer Tammy who worked on Desperate Housewives uh back then and um she came in to help me go through materials. So at one point I was like, "Hey, here are these Romulan costumes. Can you make sure that they're all there?" So what the way the way they did their their uh Romulan fleet uniforms is that you've got that uh kind of jacket that asymmetrically zips up and snaps into place on one side at one shoulder and then the sleeves are like uh they're like you remember leg warmers? They do. They're kind of like that. They don't actually have sleeves that go on underneath and then you've got a velcro placement for the Romulan communicator on the left wrist. And then the uh the the I don't know, the the trousers are just kind of like blah whatever and they had a little sparkle to them so they were spacey. Um but uh she w- <laughs> this was terrifying. She went to one of those uniforms and she was checking it out and she reached inside one of the uh one of the arm, one of the sleeves, and she put her hand immediately into a spider web. Oh no! And freaked out. She pulled her her, her arm out, and she looked down, and she was like, "I definitely touched the spider. It was a black widow." Nice. And she she panicked, and uh, oh god, I felt so badly for her. I feel like I probably did the best things that I could, but then she was she just was pretty scared of working in there for the rest of the Saturday or Sunday or whatever it was we spent in the place. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things you may, I, I made damn sure <laughs> all of that stuff was clear of anything. But, uh, yeah, LA, that was, I'd seen, I'd rarely seen black widows in Oklahoma, but when I went to LA, that was like the only spider I saw. They're everywhere here, man. Mm. Oh, in Colorado. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. But no brown recluses. Oh gosh, yeah, those fuckers. One of those responsible for my dad not being with us, pretty much. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, uh, that's a whole other story. The uh... tell me. No, I'm thinking about Spock. I'm thinking about Spock's little moment there. That's 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 the best part of this episode. Is just him walking up, and you don't have any idea whether or not he's. <laughs> No, the best part of this the episode was it was such a good episode you forgot you were waiting for Spock. <laughs> and then I think about the Simpsons when he's narrating, he's like, The following episode is true. And by true I mean it's false. Yes. It's all lies. But in the end, isn't that the real truth? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, his his oh, his Simpsons Nimoy. appearances were great, and like Mr. Nimoy, we've got a uh, twenty more minutes to film. I uh, left something in my car, <laughs> and you <laughs> beamed away. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. I guess. I, okay, yeah. So while we're here, I'll tell that story. You know, he. Uh, so we're working in the warehouse. It's another warehouse story. And it was the first... We hadn't even really got anywhere yet. Uh, we'd been in that warehouse for most of a month. Now, I'd been there with Mike and Denise Okuda. 
And then I shut the place down, turned on the alarm, locked the door, because Mike and Denise weren't coming back for a while. At least that's how I understood it. And um, I go and I do some commercials, and I did a uh, another TV episode or something. I'm not sure. I just remember doing a proactive commercial and then getting a, and then getting on another TV show. Yeah, I was on a show with uh, I was on Reigns uh, with Jeff Goldblum and um, Gross. Linda Park from uh, Enterprise was on that show. She signed my game card. She was so freaking nice. So uh, I get a call. I had the second AD on on this show. Really wanted me to be there, and but it was day to day. I didn't know if I was coming back. And then he finally got to me and he was like, "I need soldiers. I need you to be here." Well, I get this call while we're uh, filming one morning, and it was, uh, you know, hey, we want you to, we want you to go back to the warehouse and meet these people who are um, probably going to take over the auction. I'm like, all right. So I go back and I get started with those guys. I, I left the TV series, and it was only it was only six episodes because it was a mid season replacement. They filmed six episodes, and then I didn't think it was happening anymore. So, uh, yeah, I started working in the warehouse with this new crew, and it was the It's a Wrap uh, retail stores. If you live in L.A. and you can, you can go to uh, go visit their store on um, Magnolia in Burbank and say hi. Well, you won't see any of my buddies there, I guess. I don't know anybody that still works there. And uh, then they had the one in the, uh, the west side, which was, they called it Beverly Hills, but it was, I don't know, it was West Hollywood or something like that. So, um I mean, I made it down there one time. The point of the story is we hadn't got very far into researching anything or organizing to develop the auction, and they were spending money having us there all the time. They wanted to start making money. And then they were like, hey, we've got a weekend where uh, Leonard Nimoy is going to be here, and they're doing a History Channel documentary about the Christie's auction that had just happened. And so it was probably November. And I was like, oh, my God, Leonard Nimoy is going to be here. This is nuts. So we, we helped them out. They got all set up, and they had just him walking through doing walk-in talks. This is out there. It, 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 you might be able to find it on YouTube. I haven't been able to find a copy of this. I really would love to have one if I could. Um, but uh, basically, at some point, I wrote my very first... Um, research piece for this and it was just hey here's a Klingon uniform this is what it's made of this is the dimensions uh you know this is the first the first thing I wrote for the entire auction was timidly waiting for Leonard Nimoy to come over and and talk to me they had shot out the entire day and I had seen him and I'd said hello and everything but uh, I kept my distance because I had other stuff to do and I was like you don't go bust the uh uh, first team's balls about anything and he had a limited amount of time and so then then my my uh my assist the assistant manager holly she was unabashed she had no sense of uh embarrassment at all she basically charmed the shit out of him which that's not even a pun that was her favorite show uh she charmed the shit out of Leonard Nimoy. She went up to him. She was so cute. She was so full of, like, being English and her accent and everything. Tell me more. And then she... Yeah, she was she was cutie. And uh, she was like, 
uh, Leonard, you've got to come back and meet Colin. Colin is such a big fan, and I don't know, he's just scared to come visit with you or something. And so he was like, oh, whatever you want. And she's just like, Colin, Colin, yelling my name at the top of her lungs. And I was like, oh, man, this is terrifying. And then I hear Leonard Nimoy yelling my name the same way, Colin, Colin. So they came over, and he and I visited for a while, and he signed all of my stuff that I had there with me in case the opportunity arose. And I, I, I don't know. I, I might have accidentally just let that go, except, you know, she made a big fuss out of it because it was such a big deal. And, it, and, I, and I really, I don't know. She was awesome. She was a great person to work with, and I didn't always treat the circumstances the way I needed to. There was a lot of stress, a lot of difficulty trying to just power out that amount of work. And, I mean, that was one of those excellent little gifts she gave me just break down the dumbass barriers that I had to get me to enjoy the work instead of just feel the pressure so it took a while but I was I really you know I found I found a lot of fun in that in the entire auction but uh, it was hard Leonard Nimoy. He was very nice. Mr. He was very Mr. Nice. Nimoy. My story sucked. That's told. That story totally sucked, didn't it? No, it didn't suck. <laughs> he was very nice. He hung out, and he. Uh, I just remember. I remember the way his voice sounded, and it was you know not coming through a, a speaker on my TV or anything like that. And I feel like. I mean, I never, I never grew up with Leonard Nimoy being, you know, a younger guy. He was in the original series and he was in the movies, but the Leonard Nimoy that I always felt like I was comfortable with was definitely, uh, God, I mean, he was just, he was the Leonard Nimoy we saw in the most recent movies, you know? He was beautiful. Yeah. But we, we're, we'll get caught up on that on the part two. Yeah, and we'll get into some more. We'll get even more geeked out on Mr. Nimoy. Colin gets wistful. Part <laughs> 18. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll do uh, Unification Part 2 very, very soon, and it'll be uh, part of our regular release schedule yeah we're gonna and, uh, we're gonna start doing it in in a row now i know i was just about to say uh yeah i think we're really gonna go back to the beginning of the next generation and uh commentary track everything these seem to be something that are pretty successful for our viewership and obviously comics aren't everybody's thing wrestling isn't everybody's thing star trek isn't everybody's thing but People are really looking for new Star Trek content, and uh, it apparently this this hits. So I'm about to enter into a phase of work that is going to make it difficult for me to keep up with a lot of the normal stuff in my life, and I'm probably going to get pulled out of town for maybe some months. And uh, really, well, yeah, I mean the jobs aren't happening right. Well, still with the record, right? Of course, that's what I'm saying. I'll take the gear with me because on any given day, I can, I can talk about Star Trek. <laughs> right. Well, hey, the hard—I don't know, man. Yeah, keeping up with comics is pretty tough when my pulls are 
still being paid for off of the store credit that I've got left over from The Walking Dead. And so that means I gotta get to uh, I gotta get to my my local to pick up my books. Mm. It's tough. It's tough. Yep. A, a heck of a drive. Yeah, a this weekend here. I may go down go by there because I've got an interview that I'm I'm being interviewed for uh, another show uh, on Sunday. So I will make a point of that when we have been in that situation and out of it. So things being what they are. Uh, yeah, I'm signing off. I'm sending off to you. All right, good night. We'll see all you MFers in a while. This is dangerous.